Hello there, I am Kimberly Hayes-Demuto. And I'm Amanda Day. And you're listening to Fundraising Haven. Where we cover the how-tos of grants and fundraising. And how we can all do a better job of changing the world through philanthropy. Do you like to read, enjoy talking about books? Well, then you are going to love the inaugural year of the Fundraising Heyday Book Club. We're going to meet on the third Thursday of every month from 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Zoom. Um, Our first meeting is January 18th, so there's still time to get signed up. We alternate each month between nonfiction and fiction, and we'll cover the waterfront with subjects, genres, and facilitation by both of us. Here's truly me and Kimberly. Go to heydayservices.com. Click on the book club logo. You can join for 12 months of fantastic book club nerdiness at only $89. There are also six month and one month subscriptions if you want to give us a try. So um, this January 23rd or 2024, excuse me, I still, it's going to be 2023 forever in my mind, right? The January 2024 selection is Poverty by America, which is written by Matthew Desmond. Um, So we're going to see you on Zoom real soon. Woo-hoo. It's a book club that talks about books. So today we are delighted that AI thought leader Philip Dang could join us today. I have a feeling he would be like, "Uh, that mildly embarrassed by that," but I think it's really true. He brings um, a calmness and a thoughtfulness to these discussions, and we wanted to capture that today. With deep roots in the grant writing community, he turned to developing AI tools to help the grants profession. And Amanda and I are committed to learning and exploring AI instead of running around shrieking with our heads cut off, um, going, oh my God, this guy's fun. And also the other end of everything is wonderful. Nothing bad can happen. There's a little way. Um, And we recorded this informative interview live at the 2023 Grant Summit powered by the Grant Professionals Association and their exhibit hall. So there'll be exhibit hall sounds in our natural environment, fundraising heyday out in the wild. So enjoy. Hey there, we are thrilled at the Fundraising Heyday podcast to bring in Kim, Joyce and Associates as a sponsor. This incredible grant consulting firm based in Arizona has worked with nonprofits, for-profits, agencies of all sizes, from tribal governments to hospitals, universities, and everything in between. CEO Kim Joyce is here to share some really interesting tips and tricks that she's learned in her lived experience in this incredibly successful firm. We're so glad you could join us. Now, Kim, after growing your consulting firm from one to now 32 employees, what are some of the things you wished you knew back in 2010 when you started that you know now? Sure. Okay. My top 10. I love it. Number one, always trust your gut. Number two, we're all human and we all make mistakes, even though it still tastes like vinegar when I say that. Number three, double check everything every time. Number four, as long as you're in the grants field, you will always be on deadline. It's stressful. Number five, hire a proofreader. For those of us who thought we didn't need one, we do. (laughs) Number six, learn to breathe and lean into things you're afraid of. You will grow. 
Number seven, don't watch what anyone is doing or compare yourself to anyone else. One of my favorite quotes is a flower does not think of competing to the flower next to it, it just blooms. Stay focused and dream the impossible. When it's your time, you'll bloom. Number eight, find your people and lean on them. The grant world is full of generous humans who are all willing to help one another. Number nine, be flexible and willing to change your path. Some of the best successes come from things we don't plan. And number 10, it's okay to say no. I love it. To find out more about the incredible team at Kim Joyce and Associates, visit KimJoyceAndAssociates.com. If you want to join a consulting firm who places value on integrity, excellence, and community, check out the career opportunities page. Kim is always on the lookout for her next great hire, as well as her next great client. So Philip, thanks for coming here today. Thanks for having me. So again, if you're not watching on YouTube, you don't see us in our little discussion den area, back cave in the back, you're going to hear background noise. If you're listening, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or our website, you're going to hear background noise because we're recording this interview November 2023 at the GPA Grant Summit. Yes. So it's going to be okay. It's going to sound great, but you're going to hear some background because people are conferencing. They're, They're conferencing. networking. They're doing their thing. All right. So we're going to hop in with our first question. We're going to be talking about AI. And um, I don't know a lot about it. I've experimented some with it and have found it useful in some iterations and not so useful in others. But um, what I really wanted to do is start the conversation somewhere between AI is great and everything's fine and it's going to be wonderful and we're, we're going to die. You're going to die up there <laughs> because that is what um, has kind of been a lot of going on. So we're trying to find the middle ground today. That's why we have Philip here. Um, and I wanted to start off with a long question by talking about things that I don't know a lot about because when has that ever stopped me before? So. Like when you think about rightful, it's like some examples of AI that we may not realize are AI or things like Netflix recommendations could be Definitely. kind of a thing. Um, some spam filters. So the term I found was routine machines. Is that a thing? I haven't heard routine okay. machines, but it makes sense to me. Um, one of the definitions that I like to go off of um, is from Demis Hassabis, who okay. leads DeepMind at Google. And he okay. just simplified it to say technology that is meant to imitate or approximate human intelligence, okay. aspects of human intelligence, things that we can kind of do, mm -hmm. can't do everything, right. but maybe for one specific action or task or workflow, it's, it's starting to do that. And so there are different levels of that, right? Like there's like the, you, if you like this, Great British Bake Off, for example, on Netflix. Not that I watch it all the time, because I do. But it might recommend other baking shows. So that's yep. kind of like a lower level. And yep. then you might have some other things where you're, it's, it's help, help you write if you give it some prompts, right? And the, then, then there's like the whole driverless cars uh -huh. and then eventual um, systems approximating human consciousness. And that's really not where we are. We're not <laughs> nope. there. Nope. Not yet. Nope. Just want to confirm that for everyone out We're there. We're not there yet. Uh, there are people that that is the goal. And um, I think that's important to know just that yep. we're not trying to say anything 
definitive will or will not happen. But I think the balance that you wanted right. to start with is probably the the place that it makes sense to to look at this topic from. Mm -hmm. um, we are in a media environment and almost a cultural moment where extremes of everything yeah. are yeah. just what it's commands really attention. Yeah, sadly. Yeah. So um, it's sometimes it's really quick that you can get off from the the sensible sort of nuanced discussion of a topic. Um, and then just to, to bring home your, your point about what is AI, um, in all of those systems that you mentioned, it's kind of looking for patterns right. in data sets and then to a degree taking some kind of action, sometimes an automatic action, like, like pre recommending. predicting what might yeah, come next yeah, yeah, based yeah. on patterns. So YouTube video recommendations. I'm not on TikTok, but the whole thing that makes the algorithm that is the yes. algorithm. That's AI. So that's probably actually one of the most uh, influential forms of artificial intelligence still would mm -hmm. be something like a TikTok algorithm, which is just shaping a massive amount of our conversation. It's certainly destroyed several nights of sleep for me. I know I'm not the target market for TikTok, but oh my God, I put it on my phone. I'm like, oh, well, I might find some writers on. And it was just like, it was like the first hit is free. And it was like three o'clock in the morning. And I'm just like, what's the next one? What's that's the next why one? I'm not. Yeah. Oh, no, no. I, that's I, why I, she's no longer no, on TikTok. Off my, I had yeah. to take it off my phone. I know. So, I know. I can't handle that. And that's why I was making that face. Because I'm like, yeah, TikTok. Yeah. Well, <laughs> TikTok and I are not are not friends. But it's not because it's because I, I it's not AI. It's me and how I interact with AI, well, which is kind of another kettle of fish. Figured out a pattern about you, like what you, yeah. So I, yeah, I guess it, yeah. I ended up with, uh, it's like, it was like, welcome to black farmers on Twitter. And I was like, hi. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the video, I remember that the video popped up. I'm like, oh, I hi, how did, hi, it's me. It's, hi, hi. <laughs> I'm the problem, it's me. I learned a lot now. That's where I found the tea lady. Yes. So yeah, it all worked out. We did get, get, get good tea out of that, so thank you. <laughs> so I think Amanda has a question yes. of something that we were struggling with defining and maybe yeah. it'll come up later. And, and to be clear, like, Part of me wanted to say, I don't use AI because I, I haven't even dabbled in chat GPT, but clearly I use AI because in a lot of things I'm learning. Or in, and that's, in the case of TikTok, it uses you and yeah. don't be afraid, don't be afraid <laughs> or actually be afraid. Um, and so what we're learning too from Philip is some of the language and some of the things. So we may be using language that some of y'all who are experts are like, that's not what it is. This is why we're here. We're trying to figure it that's out. Right. So when it comes to using, particularly using AI for, for writing, for grants, for nonprofit work, um, a lot of people are worried about, you know, where the information is coming from and what, you know, if I'm putting something out there, is it now available to everybody? So I would, we would love to talk a little bit about different systems and how different levels of availability. Yes. Is it open and the whole world gets to see? Are there closed systems on things where it's a little bit safer if you kind of want to dip your toe in the AI world? How, what's the differences and how does this all work? Right. We've got three hours. Go, Philip. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> no, it's, a, it's a perfect question. And it's actually one that I've started to focus more on answering in, right. in the conversations that I've been having. What I've noticed, um, this is a theory, but most of us are operating with a mental model of how software works, which we've all pieced together sort of intuitively over right, years of right. using software. There's the data, like a database where all of, say, my Gmails are stored. That's on a database somewhere. I can go look up any email, it's there. Yeah. Then there's the code, the programming that determines how the software works. Mm -hmm. 
And then there's the layer of the interface where there's all the different buttons, there's the letters on a keyboard or a video game, all the controls. That's pretty much software as we've known it for decades, right? Yeah. right? So there's the data, there's the code, and then there's our, our controls. So one of the things I'm realizing is that we need to either create a new mental model or right. expand our existing models uh, when we think about generative AI. Mm -hmm. And that's a category that includes things like ChatGPT. So what happens when you interact with ChatGPT is a lot of those components are gone now. You have an input box. Right. Mm -hmm. When you press submit, it turns your prompt into numbers and it analyzes them for the, the mathematical relationships mm -hmm. between the tiny fragments of meaning that are in your prompt. Yeah. And then it just continues the equation and starts generating each next piece of the right. response based on probability. It's not looking in some database. It's not running a set line of code. It's performing an extremely complicated mathematical problem and turning that into your response. Is it just like a giant probability equation it, sort it, of kind of Yeah, it, it, some people have called it, oh, it's just an, a really super autocomplete. It's not entirely wrong. I think mm -hmm. it's a little bit dismissive of mm -hmm. what's happening here, mm -hmm. but it's also not wrong that it is probability mm -hmm. that's creating your output. Fair. And to get back to your question about what happens to the things I put into this and take yeah. out of it, the reason that I've been talking more about how the machine works is because you'll notice what's not there is a like a reference step. It's exactly. not looking through its training data and thinking, okay, where is a statement of need? Oh, here's a bunch of statements of need. Let me pick number four and give it back. Okay. That's not what's happening. It has studied a massive amount of writing on the internet, which mm -hmm. includes grant proposals, and it has mapped out these incredibly intricate mathematical wow. relationships between the individual characters and fragments of words across all of that data. And so it's actually using mathematics to give us back what it thinks is the answer that we're looking for. It is not looking up and excerpts copy and, pasting. and copying and pasting. So the important thing is to, to think about, okay, if my data is, if I'm using uh, GPT or a system like ours, which mm -hmm. is is not part of the training data sets, mm -hmm. then yeah, your, <laughs> your information is not going to pop back out to somebody else's. If you are publishing um, a lot of your work in high volume and it's all over the internet and it's scrapable, your, your work may go into a training model, mm -hmm. but at the same time, it's unlikely that your exact text is gonna pop out unless somebody is asking for a famous quote. Okay. But what may come out is your style or the way that you write. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and so we have to start thinking about intellectual property, privacy, and those kinds of concepts differently. Mm -hmm. And it, I think it starts from understanding how this new machine works yeah. and that it's not looking up anything. So the, the, where we have to be protective of our intellectual property, I don't want people kind of focusing on the wrong door when you know the threat could come from a different direction. The call could be yeah. coming from inside the house. Oh phone. my goodness, it is <laughs> inside the house. <laughs>
that's funny. Exactly. Couldn't yeah. have said it better. Yeah. No, but I love that because that's because that's exactly how I was thinking of it. Is it just goes I out and it the finds the best went. answer and it goes cut and paste and there you go. But uh, it's way more technical than that and yeah. way more complicated or, than that. Or less. I don't want or, that's I true. think you the, you the the way that you just uh, responded means I think you understand yes. how it's working. So it's actually I don't want people to be intimidated. I think we are all more technically capable than we allow ourselves to to feel because yeah. this is a really powerful technology. Mm -hmm. It is really complex, mm -hmm. but I think you just got it. Yeah. Well, thanks. My work here is done. Yeah, yeah, we're good. And thank you for coming today. <laughs> See you all. <laughs> we're out. <laughs> so, so when I've used it before, like I've just used, now it's 3.5, like chat GPT. Uh -huh. A couple of times I was struggling with some blog posts and I was like, yeah, can you do me an informal this covering these things about this? And I found the results actually led me to look at that and go, ooh, no, that's that's not right. Or I wouldn't write it that way. But then it's like, oh, but I like that point. Mm -hmm. And for me, it became more of a, if I was stuck, maybe there's something that is going to come up in a slightly different way. And then I was able to take something and then put it into the blog post. So, mm -hmm. I mean, if people are like, I don't know, it's like, I found it useful. I was able to get something that might have taken me an hour. I was able to kind of get unstuck in a yeah. less than five minutes. Yep. But I also noticed, yeah, it wasn't, I won't say that it was inaccurate, but it was like it was almost way too generalized for what I was doing. So I guess I would say from other, from other colleagues who were like, well, all the stuff's going to be wrong. I, because I wasn't asking for strictly factual things it was more like sort of an op-ed versus an article but i was able to look at that and go okay um yeah this is not working this might work i like this and i'll put it there but i was doing the discerning and i think maybe that's sometimes where conversations fall off the rails because people are like it's gonna say two plus two is five i'm like yes but you'll know that it is that's not so you can fix we it. were joking about it. it's like and the, we know that the world well, most of us know that the world is not flat and so if you do get some crazy things coming up, then it's sort of your job. Yeah. Just like if I look at examples of federal grants that you can get through Freedom of Information, right? I'm going to, some things will work. Someone might make a good point. Yeah. Some of it is not germane at all. Yeah. Well, to me, it's, I would almost liken it to, for someone like me who, like, I've written a lot of grants over topics I know nothing about, right? So working in local government, I've written grants for police departments, fire departments, Stormwater. Okay, but to be clear, Let's you be found clear. out about it. It's oh, not yes. okay. Just, just no, so but that's, but that's the thing is, I found out about it, and how I found out about it was I would sit with said police officer, said Ex said engineer, experts, and talk to them and take notes. Now, did I take verbatim what they said to me and dump it in my answer? No, because it didn't. It gave me the info I needed, yep. but it didn't properly answer the question. So to me, it's almost like a. It gives you some information that then you have to decide. What's the important pieces? What's accurate? What's not? In a, in a, I mean, maybe not exactly the same way, but it's to me, it's not that different than you talking to your subject matter experts and discerning, um, you know, you're, but you're kind of having to put a little humanity in it too, I think, right? It's, I don't know. It's making me want to kind of um, take uh, what I guess is a prediction, which is that a lot of people are, are using chat GPT right now mm -hmm. because it's the most famous. Yeah, it's what I hear about. It's what everybody's talking about. And it's very easy to get started. You mm -hmm. just start yeah. talking to it. Yeah. But uh, one of the things that I think we're going to see is that we're going to start seeing the abilities of the language model 
move into software that is a little bit more purpose-built sure. for different tasks. So gotcha. I keep hearing that people are using ChatGPT and they're getting very generalized answers out that they yeah. have to fine tune. But, you know, there is, and I, I won't use this as a, a time, but, you know, our the program that we've created, it is using your language, your actual writing. Sure. Yeah. And the writing abilities of the model. So when you have it answer a question or reformat, it is your words. It's yeah. just reshaped and reformatted. So it... I think what a lot of people are maybe experimenting with and then thinking, oh, this is, this feels like somebody else's writing. That's because uh, the way I describe it is it's like going to a restaurant where you can order a dish and it's going to be made with the restaurant's ingredients, right? right. Versus having a, a chef come to your home and cook the same dish with your ingredients. Yeah. You'll know what's going into it. So I think we're going to see more... Uh, of the of the latter, where yep. um, we're not all using this one chatbot as this general purpose mm -hmm. everything tool. Yeah. We're actually going to start having more and more tools built for our particular jobs. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I think earlier, so so before we started talking today, the question was, I was like, are the, what's the difference between open and closed? And I wasn't using the right words, but actually what you just described was what I was talking okay. about. So yes. it's like chat and GPT, I'm like, mm, okay, let's see what we got. But um, with your company, with Grantable, it's more, in my head, I'm calling that, that's like a closed system. Just like my home is is not a public place. Yeah. Closed, so the chef comes yeah. in and cooks. Okay. Yes. That's where I'm going with it. Yep. So versus asking, I mean, also, I wouldn't just ask Google about a medical condition I was really concerned about, although I know it's a very popular thing to do, <laughs> and, know, and think, I'm going to trust this information. What could go wrong? So I think I'm looking at more specialized systems that I define in my head as being more closed or proprietary versus wide open systems mm -hmm. as a way to maybe think about that, which kind of yeah. leads me to the next question. Okay. It's a long and winding road, but let's see what Love we got let's here. Let's go, let's go. So um, for, for consultants or, or, or government agencies or nonprofits that are exploring AI and what it could do. Like I said earlier, hey, it saved me a lot of time because it got me unstuck when I was sort of stuck on how to word or think about something. Mm -hmm. What are some things that they can think about to use this tool responsibly? Are there some there's, there's advice you can give about, you know, sort of guardrails or things to think about? I think that's what people will be interested in. Hearing. I'll start out with a website, which is fundraising.ai. So okay. I'm part of an initiative uh, that's right now it's this incredible group of volunteers coming together it's already become an international movement but there's a framework for responsible ai in fundraising there we go so fundraising.ai fundraising.ai um it's a it, they just held their first uh virtual summit where all these kinds of ethical and technical questions were were discussed right? um and so plans are already in the works for what's coming up next but there's this really concise 10 section framework that I think most people in our sector, if not everybody can look at and figure out how to apply to your own work. So the, the work is being done um, really, really, uh, it, this and the framework was created by a large, large group of stakeholders all weighing in um, incredible um, uh, people at the center of it, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. bringing the ideas together. 
Um, there, you can sign on. Uh, so Grantable has signed on. Uh, you can sign on as an individual or as an organization and just kind of pledge to uh, use AI responsibly in our field. So that's one thing um, as far as policy. Um, and then I would say uh, the word I use is playfulness. Yeah. Um, and that is not because I want people to diminish the power or the, the, the responsibility that you have to use this, this tool, but think about some of the things that we do for fun. They can be pretty risky. They can involve <laughs> like- Which we're not gonna talk we're about. We're not gonna, that. that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> but when we're playing, we're on our toes. We are yeah. alert to mm -hmm. the environment. Failure is reframed to be a much more temporary outcome that's part of the game or yeah. part of the experience. Um, and we learn really quickly. I mean, if you think about how people get so good at hitting a golf ball or figuring out crossword puzzles, um, I think that's a really good mindset mm -hmm. for working with AI for a number of reasons. One, it can be really fun to try out some of these tools. So I'd recommend kind of creating your own sandbox, um, you know, use, use an email that is safe for you. Don't, you know, be throwing sensitive information out there, but take, and, and again, if you're, if you're coming at it playfully, you might, you know, play a game with ChatGPT. You might ask it to tell you a story. You might ask it to help you out in the kitchen. Um, there are lots of interesting ways that you can explore what the machine is, what the model is, and test it with, with, with play through yeah. iteration. So I think that's kind of how I recommend for people to, to try it out. The sound you're hearing in the background is, <laughs> Clearly is swelling up just as Philip happening. was making this. It was like, we are not afraid. It was like, doom, doom, doom. It was sounding, I mean, it was like a movie. Yes, this is <laughs> the, this score, is the, the score behind. The score, yeah, movie. winter is coming. But winter really, well, it is, it is coming. It's here, well, yeah. 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 But anyway, so again, if you're watching or listening, it's a conference and music will it swell when you're next to the main ballroom. Sound yeah. check there. Yeah, I know. Um, well, it was interesting. I uh, went to dinner last night with a few um, friends at the conference, and um, one of the ladies that was there is um, has a large consulting firm, lots of subs that work for her. And she says, you know, for her, the thing about AI is she's trying to figure out what kind of policy, because she's like, I don't want to ban it and say you can't use it, because I really do think it's a great tool, yeah. but trying to figure out, do I need to have a policy? And if so, what does it say? She's like, that's the thing I'm grappling with you know, because I want my clients to be comfortable and I want, you know, my subcontractors to be free to do what they need to do to get the yeah. job done, but to do it well. Um, so I'm wondering if fundraising AI may be the site I need to send Yeah, to, to just like, here's a place info. to start. It's making me think about grantadvisor.org, which is where, mm -hmm. it's, which is sort of the nice Yelp of the grant world where you can go leave <laughs> reviews that are like legit. I know Yelp is problematic. I know that, but you'll, people know what it is, but Sort of, yeah, that idea of like, mm -hmm. let's put some, let's put some framework around this in a responsible place. Yeah, yeah I, I think that frameworks like fundraising AI are a good place to start and also to just alleviate a little bit of what I perceive as a lot of burden on people's shoulders yeah. to figure this out alone. Right. I don't think everybody needs to figure out their own from scratch AI policies. No. I think there's really good stuff that you can start with and adapt. And then also, we are not the only sector grappling with 
generative AI. This is true. We're all encountering it more and more in all aspects of our, our technology and our, our work lives and, and, and lives in general. So I think we're figuring out the policies, figuring out the norms, figuring out what's okay and what's not okay. Um, I, I think prohibition is probably not, it's probably a setback if you kind of <laughs> say you can't use it. Um, mm -hmm. But I think also a lot of the ethical standards that have been in place for this sector for a long time still apply. Most fundamentally, don't lie. <laughs> be Fair. truthful. Fair. Like you could, you could be so unethical without AI. Yeah. You can amplify True. your lack of ethics with AI. Um, or you can amplify your ethical work with AI. Yeah. Um, I don't think AI changes most of what has been established best practice for the ethics of this field. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we're actually going to shake out and figure out what is the right way to reference and work with AI. Um, I don't think everybody's going to cite every time they use generative AI in a Gmail, in a Word doc, in an email. And yeah. I think it's really going to become part of like, like spell check, like autocomplete or yes. Grammarly. Mm -hmm. um, and I, we don't usually say to everybody, oh, by the way, I used Grammarly to yeah. make sure this email was, I think that's going to be, that is a very similar technology already. So. Yeah. Right it's true. making me think about too, when we're teaching people about ethical research, right? It's like, yeah. no, Wikipedia is, is, may not be what you want to cite when you're yes. looking for examples. You may want to go here or there to find journal articles and what does that look like and how do you cite that and what does plagiarism look like and how do you, mm -hmm. I mean, it's the same kind of conversation, I think is what I'm sensing. Can I actually just use this uh, moment to, to share something that I, I, I hope everybody, I, this is like a PSA almost, Go which is it. about using GPT or, or generative AI at this time for research. Um, I think it's really sketchy. That's where you're on thin ice and yep. you won't necessarily know um, here's what I've been explaining to folks that seems to help people comprehend how the machine works. Yeah. So if you ask ChatGPT what's four plus four, it will probably tell you eight, but it's not doing a, it's not calculating the arithmetic. In its training data, four plus four equals eight is usually what appears usually what in happens. the text, yeah, yeah. right? So in probability it knows this is probably what to do. But if you have a random six digit and random seven digit number multiplied, it will know large number times large number equals another large number. And it will complete the action. It will kind of put in all the numbers and yeah. look right. But if you check it, it's probably not going to get the correct exactly. answer. Because it's not doing the math. It's not doing the math. Yeah. See, you definitely get yeah. this. Yes. So it's when you do research, if you're asking for something very, very consistently referenced in text, like the capital of, of California, Fair. it's probably going to get it right. But the more you ask for something specific or less frequent in the data or a combination of factors, the, the thinner the ice that you're on is. So I would just say there are companies working on figuring out how to combine generative language abilities with research and data and referencing. I would just say right now, consider that sort of like an advanced level yeah, usage. Yeah, where we're not, we're not, we're not there, there yet. Don't start there. You can kind of use it to help a little bit 
but only do that after you've played with it a bit and you kind of understand where, where it's it brittle. Goes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think I was using it as a comparison, so I wasn't I think that's suggesting. Great. But yeah, it's yes. like you don't just. I wouldn't go to. Um, like we said earlier, I wouldn't go to Google and go, I have this bump and it's like, yeah, you're going to die. Or yeah. it could be, oh, it's nothing. It's like I would go to a professional. So, yeah, I think it's the same thing. Like, yeah. well, I just to... scraped the data and I think the answer is Sacramento. Is that right? Yes. OK, good. Correct. My girl can scrape her data like <laughs> no one I've ever seen before. But, but, I, but yeah. legit. On yeah. that point, too, you know not to trust Google because you're an experienced Googler. Yeah. If you brought Google to somebody who'd never seen the internet before and they got that knowledge, they might that's say, true. oh, no, that's, that's, it's that's a good there, so it must yeah, be right. So you've gained search engine literacy. And so what we're, what we're at right now is... At least is, that's one thing I can check off. <laughs> yes, yes. Like, way to go. We, Thanks, we need man. to develop yeah. AI literacy exactly. in the same mm -hmm. way to know, okay, that maybe is something I need yeah. to, to check on. Well, with that you know, kind of warning in place. What would you say for nonprofits, grant professionals who are wanting to make use of AI to the best of its ability? What should they be advocating for as far as like, what is a good use of it? And how can, you know. I guess would it also there... depend on what platform you're using? Is that where you're going to go? Well, you know, sort of, I mean, so of? obviously I'm, I'm biased here, but I think Grantable is, is a really good solution if you're trying to save time and write grants at a really mm -hmm. consistently high level. Um, but I also use in my life, I use ChatGPT sometimes, but actually I would say less and less. Yeah. Um, I use it for things like, you know, a big reformat. I like using Notion. So Notion is something that my co-founder and I use for a lot of our, uh, it's basically our collaboration software. And um, we've it, seen demos on Notion. I'm wondering if it must be the same one. It's yeah, probably. Where like it all your stuff lives there, It's more right? like everything yeah, lives there. Yeah, but so doesn't sound like that. Well, same. it is. It's okay. that one. It's a. It's a really. It's got a kind of a high a, a learning curve to it because it, it's so flexible. That's yeah. also kind of what gets it in does its a way. lot of things. Yeah, um, but I um, sometimes I'll use it to help me restructure things or, or figure out outlines um, and then help with that. But you know, for my blog. Uh, I, I spend, that's entirely me written. Um, and then sometimes I'll use it for a summary right? And, or a title, or I'll ask it for a, a few titles. And then it's like you Ooh. said, I'll get some ideas. Like my, my post this week uh, was not AI generated title. That was a me title. Uh, I tried using AI and I didn't like anything that right. it, but I just kind of stuck with it. But I actually write um, still uh, separately, uh, for my blog without AI assistance. Yeah. Um, but one thing I, I used it for um, that I find it's wonderful is I was creating some curriculum and I had it generate the multiple choice comprehension quiz, uh, okay. which is really, really nice. So like you just, yeah. here's all the content, please well, create, you yeah. know, uh, 10 uh, comprehension check, multiple choice questions at such and such college nice. undergrad level. Nice. And it just comes up with, and some of the questions were too easy. So I said, you know, make it a little bit more challenging and it made it the, the answers more nuanced. So that was pretty okay. cool. I was smiling because that just sounds like fun to me, but that also made me laugh because I'm like, how geeky am I fairly? On a Likert scale, I think I'd be edging toward 4, 4.5. But anyway, <laughs> talk about playing, talk about something fun, could be... For training, I'm thinking about yes. that'd be a fun way to. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. Training is cool. I I ran a, an AI uh, 
focus group. So I said, um, please act as 10 different grant professionals from different backgrounds. No, you didn't. And then I just asked the group questions and had them each answer as their in identity <laughs> and just asked a lot of different questions. And with that, it's not as good as 10 real people in a room, say, yeah. but I could do it in 30 minutes. Um, and it just made me make sure that I was thinking about the curriculum from a broader lens to yeah. make sure that I was considering angles that I hadn't. That's smart. And I didn't use any of that content as like, like in data. It, it didn't go into anything. It was yeah. literally just, it was as if I, uh, I wanted the, the synthetic experience of having talked with a group of people to kind of challenge where yeah, I'm coming thinking, from, yeah. making mm -hmm. a curriculum. So yeah. it just brought up different viewpoints and yeah. perspectives and helped me kind of think through, okay, yeah. So that's kind of another cool way that you can approximate some interaction yeah. with people. Yeah. So just another quick PSA. We're not suggesting, and Philip is not suggesting. And then you can use that as focus group data for a grant you're writing. Because no. no, we're not taught. No. That's a really good point. But just, just to put that out there, that's, yeah. that's not what this is. And also maybe another caveat. Um, I, I, the, the post that we talked about before we started recording that you had written about how actually how helpful and useful it would be to involve more of the nonprofit world in sort of AI policies because most of the AI systems and products that are being developed now may actually be uh, developed by, by men or, and primarily by white men. And that can also obviously reflect how it is moving forward. So I guess what I'm a long-winded way of saying, the more we can engage in responsible ways that make sense and advocate mm -hmm. for what is right and what we would need, I think the better off this would be versus either it's great. I use it all the time for everything or we're all going to die. So I feel yeah. like, yeah, we're sort of back to our, there's a happy medium in there somewhere yeah, that the, should work back to for that everybody. Road. We're back to that. Middle Definitely. Path. Yeah. I think this technology is unlike any other in terms of needing a set of values and needing to be human centric mm -hmm. in a way that nothing before um, has required. And the, the sector, the private sector, especially the tech sector, which is developing these tools, doesn't have the best track record of achieving those outcomes. Um, it makes me, how many times is it an AI thing where I'm just like, speak to a representative, please? Because <laughs> <laughs> you need, sometimes you need that humanity because it's not that. there yet. And then the other thing is that I think it's really interesting that the nonprofit sector one of the things that we've been innovating for our entire history is how do we operate impactful, efficient organizations that are not driven by profit? Yeah. It's almost like, you know, I, I almost see a parallel to electric vehicles or, or clean energy. It's like yeah. the, the private sector is, is like fossil fuels right. where it's like, oh, this is so easy. This is so fast. I it's can great. Just, what could I can, go wrong? <laughs> but there are externalities. There yeah. are there are pollutants. There yep. are there are consequences yep. that yes. we are starting to see. And what I think humanity is trying to do is to figure out, are there better ways to still power these systems um, with, let's say, cleaner motivations? Mm -hmm. And I mm -hmm. think one could look at the nonprofit sector as a laboratory or an innovative sector that has been trying to figure out how do we power 
large-scale organizations, right, right. large-scale programs and impact that is not primarily linked to making more profit? Mm -hmm. How can we do it through generosity? How can we do it through grants? How can we do it through these other means of, of propelling mm -hmm. missions? So I think that has actually given us the intellectual property, the, the, this really cutting edge thinking that now the tech folks working on AI could, I believe, really benefit from knowing how to think about setting the rules, writing policy, mm -hmm. figuring that kind of stuff out. So that's the broader call to the sector. I think that's a great way to, to, yes. to bring this conversation to a close, although this could easily be like a 12-part podcast, which probably fills you with fear, um, where <laughs> we like, could I'm go here on for, it. <laughs> for such a long time. I know you're, you, you publish a lot. You are um, the driving force of Grantable, but where if people want to, people are curious and they want to learn more about the work you're doing or maybe following you or getting in contact with you, what is the best way? Um, please, uh, so grantable.co is uh, the website if, if you want to try out our software. Um, I put my heart and soul into my newsletter. It's at philipdang.substack.com. Um, it's Philip with one L, um, and it's called The Process. Um, and then on LinkedIn, please feel free to do a connect or do a message. I, I tend to have a day or two every week where I kind of go in and go through my messages. So I'm not a, I'm not an sure. always on social sure. media person, but I'll try to get back to you. Uh, and I definitely, I see there's a lot less uh, comments on my blog. So that would be the place if you want to, <laughs> to really connect cut through, to... just leave a comment oh, on my newsletter and yes. I'll, I'll definitely yeah. see yeah. it there. Yeah. So awesome. engaging there would be really cool. Yep. Nice. Well, yeah. thank you so much. Thanks for yes, having thanks, me. Philip. I'm a huge fan. Well, right back at you. Nice. Thanks again to today's sponsor, Kim Joyce and Associates. If you want to learn more about career opportunities and client relations with this growing business, visit KimJoyceAndAssociates.com. That's K-I-M-J-O-Y-C-E and Associates.com. So we hope you enjoyed this interview with Philip today as much as we did. I learned so much and I love getting the opportunity to explore these issues that could be turned into how-tos in the future, but it's really important to understand the whys and the ways and how it can work for us. Absolutely. It was a great conversation. So we're very honored you chose to spend your time with us today hearing from Philip. We hope you'll join us again in two weeks where we are going to talk with the amazing productivity guru, Beth Z. She's going to break it all down and help us get it done. So we'll see y'all then. Yeah.